My name is Mark Carr, and I'm joined by Jam Baker, and this is the Everybody Eats Hubcast. Hey Mark, what's the Hubcast? Hubcasting is curated content by Impact Hub DC, a community of social change makers right here in the nation's capital. Everybody Eats highlights the stories of innovators and agitators fighting for food equality for all. Jen, why is this topic of inclusive food systems so important? Well, Mark, everyone deserves equal access to quality food. Growing disparities and changing demographics have barred some constituents from access to nutritious food in the nation's capital. Um, this is really called a food desert, not a food dessert, but a food desert. And for those who don't know what that is, it's a geographic area where affordable and nutritious food is hard to obtain, and particularly for those without a vehicle. Actually, in urban areas, it's about one mile to the fresh food, and in rural areas, it's about 10 miles. And this means traveling long distances and paying higher prices. Food is the lifeblood of every community influencing enterprise, policy, and the use of civic spaces. And I'm gonna hit you guys with some interesting stats in the D.C. area. Of the city's 43 full-service grocery stores, only two are located in Ward 4 four in Ward 7, three in Ward 8. But in Ward 3, which happens to be DC's most affluent ward, there are 11 full service stores. And only three of the city's 30 farmers markets are located east of the Anacostia River. So Mark, what are we gonna do about this? You know what, I'm, I'm always baffled at the fact that we live in the richest metropolitan area in the country but we still have people who cannot, who do not have access rather, to good, nutritious, affordable foods. And I'm so happy for people like Alexandra Stern, who's with DC Central Kitchen, and she's joining us in the studio today. And she's gonna talk a little bit about DC Central Kitchen. And for, you, for those of you listening who don't, who don't know what DC Central Kitchen is, it's America's leader in reducing hunger with recycled food, training unemployed adults for culinary careers, and by serving healthy school meals and rebuilding urban food systems through social enterprise. Welcome to the studio, Alex. Hey, Can I I'm call you Alex? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. We're happy to have you. And Jan is just going to jump in with some questions for you, and um, we're going to get this discussion started. So um, thanks, Mark. Uh, so I love DC Central Kitchen. I've been a fan for years. So Alexandra, tell um, Alexandra, how is your approach innovative? So. Our approach is really hitting on different aspects of food access. So as Mark had mentioned, we have a culinary job training program. So that program works with individuals that are chronically unemployed, recently released from prison, and trains them not only in culinary skills, but also important life skills to maintain jobs. And after they go through our training program, we ensure that they maintain employment. So we actually hire on a lot of those that have graduated from our program. And we hire them for our social enterprise pieces, and we also hire them for the thousands of meals we create 
out of recovered, recycled food for transitional homes and homeless shelters. So that is just one aspect of our programming. We actually have a program called Healthy Corners, which is really what I, I think we should talk about today because mm -hmm. it's all about food access. So Healthy Corners is a program where we bring fresh fruits and vegetables into corner stores in DC's wards five through eight. Awesome. I actually have volunteered at DC Central Kitchen. You guys have quite the operation over there. So Alexandra, which ward is home to is the home to more your most frequent consumer bases? So our program focuses on wards five through eight. Specifically, Ward 8 has the most stores that we work with. It's 29 stores. Right. And in Ward 5, we work with 25 stores. And we work in these wards because they have the highest prevalence of mortality associated with diabetes. And this is a really interesting fact. So in 2010, Deaths due to heart disease dropped in all wards except for six, seven, and eight. That's crazy. And then also, in districts wards five through eight, residents have a shorter life expectancy than the average DC resident. So clearly there's something going on in these wards. And as you mentioned before, mm -hmm. a lack of food, yeah. access to healthy food is probably one of them. Yeah, I would think so, Mark. Well, I mean, um, I really love this model, um, partly because one of my passion projects is working to end mass incarceration in D.C. Um, through social solutions. And, um, and we also do another podcast focused on mass incarceration called the Capital Innovation Podcast. And we've discovered through our research that not only does War 7 and 8 um, have these deficits in access to affordable, nutritious food, but they also have the highest uh, rates of incarceration, the highest rates of poverty, and the highest rates of unemployment. Um, so your model really sort of addresses the intersectionality between all of these different issues, which I think is awesome. Um, because you have such a complex model, um, what are some of the, the limitation, limitations you find to providing access to affordable foods to such populations that have so many different issues that need to be addressed? Yeah, there's plenty of limitations. One that I can think of is just getting into a diverse community and really understanding their needs. I think a lot of times as researchers or activists, we think we know what people need and we go in with these great ideas and they fall short, they don't work. And we don't understand why because maybe we're not the ones that need it so we can't really conceptualize what the best solutions for the problem are. So at DC Central Kitchen what we do is we work very closely in the community. Sure do. Yeah, we're out in the community all the time. Uh, I actually personally work in nine DC public schools mm -hmm. and I know these schools like the back of my hand now and the kids and Without that really close interaction at our stores, at our schools, it's just 
things can fall short right. and programs and you're building trust. Yeah, that's a huge that is a huge piece is trust, communication because those are the real stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Are the people that really are a part of our programs. We need to make sure that our programs fit their needs and with going in with great big ideas and not really knowing what people need, we can fall short. Well, can you go into that a little bit more, um, understanding people's needs? Can you give us an anecdote? And I'm sort of putting you on a spot yeah. um, here with this, but give us an anecdote of how you've been able to assess the needs of the community. Yeah, so here's actually kind of a funny story. We had a meeting recently about our Healthy Corners program. And someone at the meeting clearly has not gone out to any of our stores before, and that's fine. They suggested and they questioned why we're not selling microgreens. I love microgreens. I'm sure you I guys love, love microgreens. Micro mm -hmm. People love microgreens. Why aren't we selling microgreens? What are microgreens? Just for those who <laughs> might not know what a yeah. microgreen oh, is. Oh, of course. Okay, they're like little pieces of like little plants. They're tiny and they have leaves, like sprouts. Okay, I got that. Yeah. Okay. Grandma was gonna make some of that. Yeah. Okay. I don't they look like little tiny plants. Okay, okay. So he was questioning, why don't we sell microgreens? Mm -hmm. And here's the issue is that I go to these stores all the time. I stand outside and talk to community members. I hand out food that I've made, fruits and vegetables on kebab sticks or kale salads, different things like that to have them try it, engage, talk about their eating habits, things like that. And I could definitely hand out microgreens. That might not work, though, because in general, when I stand outside the store, they want to try the food. We have good conversations. However, most often they're going in the store to buy a bag of potato chips, mm -hmm. which is also delicious. So uh, I think that this disconnect between activists and uh, leaders in the community and their understanding of what people's needs are needs to be broken down. We need to be in the community more. We need to talk to people more. We need to know them to know what they need. So, And you guys do a great job because you have the truck farm. Can you tell me a little about that? Oh uh, yeah, the truck farm. So that is a wonderful way to get people talking and to really get out in the community. Our truck farm is legitimately a truck with a flatbed filled with dirt. We grow tomatoes, basil, oregano, uh, lettuce. Oh, this was really cool today. My coworker, Nola, went out to the truck, grabbed a tomato, grabbed some basil. She's like, do you want to try? And we had some tomato basil off the truck nice. today. It was really delicious. And, and the purpose of the truck, it's an educational tool. We bring it to libraries, schools, farmers markets, all sorts of places. Awesome. So you're bringing the product to where the people are. Yeah, and we're showing how easy it is to grow produce in D.C. 
So Jan and I were talking earlier about cooking. If you're growing a little bit of basil or some cilantro, you will be much more inclined to cook your meal because this is my opinion, but fresh herbs take a recipe above and beyond. So. And even if you live in an apartment, like you can grow your herbs in a pot and keep it in the kitchen and yeah. you can decorate with it. So it's, it's twofold, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Dopeness. I can't wait to hear more throughout the life of this podcast of how I, myself, can like grow stuff. Maybe that would stop me from spending so much money and yeah, Chipotle and those type of places. <laughs> <laughs> so what else can we do? Like, you know, I am, again, you know, the issue I'm really passionate about is mass incarceration, but I also see the intersectionality between lack of access to education, affordable foods, affordable health care, um, and incarceration. Um, so understanding that intersectionality, what can somebody like myself do to be a part of the solution? So you could come volunteer with DC Central Kitchen. I've done it, it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. And this is kind of a cool concept. So we bring in hundreds of volunteers, I think every single day. I should probably know mm -hmm. that number, but it's a lot. And one of the purposes of that is to help not only the volunteers, but also our chefs really understand each other. So we have people that have been convicted of felonies, let's say, and house moms hanging out together, chopping up some vegetables, making some food for either DC public school kids or the a shelters. transitional, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. So, that I think is a fantastic way to really get involved and on Thursdays in the summer we have something called gleaning so you can go out to a farm with our procurement team and pick blueberries or pick tomatoes and gleaning just means that it's whatever was left so maybe it didn't get picked or uh, it wasn't ripe at that time so that's a that's a really fun way to get involved. And that's food recovery right there. That's some environmental work. Not only that, you learn when you volunteer because shout out to uh, Chef Greg at DC Central Kitchen. He told me that I was using the knife incorrectly. So, <laughs> you know, I stepped my game up after I uh, volunteered. So it's also a learning experience for those who come out and lend a hand. Yeah, I cook in the kitchen all the time and I am constantly learning. They teach me so much and sometimes i'm not gonna lie they help they cook my food for me because oh. they're just so much better than <laughs> me they're like, <laughs> they need to yeah. cook my food they're like alex <laughs> give me this but let me show you how to do this well speaking of learning i'm sure that you guys have learned a lot of lessons over the years um with your enterprise can you just speak a little bit about the big f word and no this is not a you know uh a bad word, um, but for some people, some people it is. The word is failure. Oh. What, what, what? You're like, oh my like, god, what is finance? he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, finance could be a part of that, yeah. but, but what? You know, just talk a little bit about the lessons you've learned through your failures as an organization, and what can entrepreneurs learn who want to venture into this sector of, you know, food accessibility? This, you know, this space. Okay, well, failure's gonna happen. 
failure needs to happen. Without failure, you're not going to try new things. You're not going to be able to overcome and succeed. So clearly, failure is a part of DC Central Kitchen's history. One story I can think of happened actually before my time. We had a program where in order to recruit people for culinary job training, we actually went into the community and handed out food. And our mission is actually against that. And we were founded because Robert Edgar, our founder, did not like that system. He, he worked for his church and he would go out and hand out sandwiches at night to the same people every week. And the other people he was working with were like, oh, hi, Bob, hi, Greg, really happy to see the people for this, the same people every week. And Robert Edgar thought, this is ridiculous. Why are the same people needing food every single week? We need to do something about this. So that program that we tried to do was considered a failure because that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to hand out food to people. We're trying to empower people through food. Right. That's great. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. Um, hopefully you'll join us tonight for our SoCap 365. For those of you who don't know what SoCap 365 is, um, it's an initiative hosted here at Impact Hub DC um, to bring the SOCAP Conference for Impact Investing to DC in a small, small way. If you want to know more, um, you have to become a Hub member <laughs> or at least follow us on social media. And again, Everybody Eats, the Hubcast is brought to you today by Impact Hub DC. Impact Hub DC is a marketplace for leading global innovators to connect with the resources they need to accelerate impact. Visit us at washington.impacthub.net to learn more about how to be a part of our community. Or you Thank can just you come so down much. for a visit. Yeah, you can come down tonight, but you'll probably hear this after the fact. Yeah. So yeah. stay tuned for more really cool events. Come meet Jen, come meet me. Hopefully Alex will come and hang out with us. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Come to the, Penn Quarters in D.C. In and this is where all the magic happens. This is where all the magic happens. <laughs>
um, but we often don't ask the question why folks can't afford food and why our food system is so messed up that folks can't access these basic human rights. And um, I think that, you know, as an organization, we are focused on and dedicated to asking those, convers asking those questions and having hard conversations about why that is. Uh, our economic system is not equitable. Um, therefore, our, our food system is not equitable. Um, folks don't have access to, uh, you know, the job skills that they need. Um, we have an economic system where folks are devalued, labor is devalued, um, where folks are looked at as surplus labor, and it's used, you know, to the benefit of folks who often don't look like the communities that we work in, and even when they do, they share a value set that devalues humanity um, and looks at folks as surplus labor. So you definitely understand the issues that are affecting communities, uh, specifically War 7 and 8. Um, how do you engage them in, in, in the solution that you propose to these problems? Yeah, so I mean, looking at the food system, it's a lens for us to look at, at broader issues, whether it's racism, class, gender, what have you. Um, so when we are working, we have to work in a way that is inclusive because we work with communities that have always been marginalized and often aren't thought of as uh, agents in their own liberation. And so our work first starts on the grassroots level, getting to know deeply what and who our, uh, our communities are comprised of. So it's the churches, the schools, the ANCs, those advocates, um, you know, a public housing community where it's someone who's been growing food in their home or in their yard but no one knows. They've set up alternative food distribution systems that are supported by those communities, but no one knows. It's off the books in terms of like the government knowing or folks who don't get deep into <clears throat> you know, these systems within communities. I feel like Dreaming Out Loud is like the My Brother's Keeper of Food because um, I was watching one of your videos, I saw a young man and he said that working with you, because you also do youth development and character development, which is great. Um, helps him become more responsible. And he said that he's not afraid. Mm. So talk to me about that. Talk to us about that. Um, you know, you're helping especially young black males in the community feel good about themselves. So it's a self-esteem builder and they're learning nutrition at the same time. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel that that adds to the community? Yeah, uh, I think that um, there's a lot of power in youth and males in general. Um, I think that Young women have infinite power um, and are able to channel that in ways, but there are specific ways where uh, young men um, need guidance and ways to channel that and to harvest their power. Um, so working at a very basic level, you know, we started out teaching character and leadership development using Adinkra symbols from Ghana, you know. Those are your core values. Our core values. Go back and fetch it, right? Yeah, Sankofa. That, that's one that's real. Um, there's this saying that there's no culture without agriculture, and that's very real. And so we realized that we had to start with like a cultural basis and connect with folks on a different level in order to move solutions to other problems forward. And so, you know, we didn't even know that we were going to get involved in the food system, really. We were teaching character and leadership development, and we saw that... Um, Amongst elementary school kids, they were getting Kool-Aid and Teddy Grahams for snack. And then we had uh, teenagers that were eating Teddy Graham, or um, hot French fries, hot Cheetos, Arizona iced tea, Cinnabons for breakfast. 
And so, you know, we'd be out on a, an environmental project in Ward 7, and, like, the 17-year-olds couldn't keep up with the 60-year-old walking up a hill, and it was because of the diet. In other programs, the kids were just, like, lethargic because they didn't have the proper diet, and so we realized that we had to do something different. Um, so we went about starting a farmer's market, which we had no idea how to do, didn't know where to meet farmers, didn't know very much about the agricultural or the food system. And so we just really just dove in head first and started uh, learning about, you know, distribution and, and uh, learning the farmer's perspective and started growing food. And so the more you are around it, the more you start thinking about what are the gaps. Um, and we realized that within communities, first off you have a you have, you have a, n a number of gaps right you have employment gaps you have um out of school time program and enrichment program gaps you have affordability in terms of housing and food gaps so we started with what we could affect and that was getting young people engaged and involved in the market so we actually started to train them to learn how to run the farmers markets themselves awesome. and then eventually we you know, got a growing space and started growing more food and learned to teach them to, well, taught them to grow healthy food and learn the entrepreneurial and customer service skills to sell uh, what they grew at the farmer's market. What's so dope about their model is that they can take those skills and apply it to a lot of different business situations yep. um, outside of- Outside of food. Farmer markets, right, mm -hmm. outside of food. Yep, yeah, it's transferable skills, exactly. You know, you could, you learn to sell something, you could sell, T-shirts, ties, it doesn't matter. It's that skill set. Well, yeah. speaking of entrepreneurship, one of your aspirations is to provide commercial kitchen space to entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, um, the farmer's market was just a, a jumping off point. You know, we, we currently run two, um, but we started realizing that there was opportunity for folks uh, from low-income, marginalized communities to actually uh, have an ownership stake within our food system to create their own businesses. And that many people were actually doing that already but what are some of the, you know, challenges and needs that they have in terms of growing and scaling? And so we noticed that there were commercial kitchen incubators popping up, but they're also very much unaffordable and inaccessible for a lot of reasons. Yes, the cost, but also like the culture and understanding like what those entrepreneurs from low-income communities need. And so we began thinking about, you know, how do we fill some of those gaps in a, like a synergistic way, you know, in a way that's like, um, you know, responsive to what folks need on the ground, not just like applying your own whatever you want to do and forcing someone into it. So, you know, you talked about gaps, but um, when it comes to urban spaces, how can that be used to address food accessibility issues? I know in New York, I'm from New York, and, you know, they grow uh, their urban farms, so there's vegetables growing on the top of buildings in Manhattan. So mm -hmm. tell me how some of those um, food accessibility issues can be addressed. Yeah, I mean, in urban spaces, you have challenges and opportunities. Um, it's just how you work to meet them, and, and you have to work to tailor a model that works for your environment. Um, you know, we, we grow food, so if you're growing food, there's a lot of things you can do in terms of um, intensive growing where you intercrop, um, growing certain crops together, using vertical spaces. Um, but again, speaking to like accessibility, you know, there's all these new technologies and new expensive and very flashy systems. People are growing hydroponic 
microgreens and shipping containers and things like that. It's like, <laughs> can you define that for us novices? <laughs> yeah, so hydroponics is a technique where you grow food without soil. You just use water, but it mm. use, uses a nutrient solution. A chia pet. Basically, it's like <laughs> it's like a chia pet. Okay. And I find it yeah. very interesting. I, I lived for two years in Ghana, and oddly enough, I met an African American man from DC mm-hmm. who was in Ghana growing tomatoes in that way. Mm-hmm. And the problem he was trying to solve is that in Ghana they have a dry season, they have a rainy season. When the rainy season is is there, they have a lot of tomatoes. When it's mm-hmm. a dry season, they don't have it. And I'm oversimplifying that probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really interesting how you're taking something that people use internationally. Because when we think about development, when we think about all of these social issues, we always want to talk about East of Asia or Africa, but there are so many issues that, that should be addressed right here. So we've yeah. talked about the urban spaces. So we know that in order to have a, a space, you need real estate. Mm-hmm. How has gentrification um, been impactful on your initiative? Well, I mean, I think that gentrification poses several challenges. The first challenge is of displacement. If we're talking about um, food access, you know, we say that in our work, what does it matter for working to increase access to healthy food if folks can't afford to stay where they live? So that's the first thing. You know, all these systems are connected, so it's about having a bigger conversation about equity and social equity. in terms of just like specifically on the ground, you have to fight stigma and perceptions. You know, um, there's been there have been gardens started that have, um, you know, people that in public housing communities or lower income communities perceive as being for white folks or for being for the others and not inclusive of them. Um, and many of those times, it comes because of the construction of that space. It starts with you know, folks with privilege and access decide what's going to be there and then they go tell the poor folks what's going to be there and ask them if they want to be there too. <laughs> so how do you, how do you yeah. talk to the community when, like, if you try to introduce kale and they're like, oh, that's some white people stuff. Like, what, yeah, how do you I answer mean, that? Like, I, I feel like there's infinite curiosity within the communities. You know, like, folks want to know new things. Like, it's fresh, it's cool to know new things. You know what I mean? So, like, and they're also more likely to take to it if they see someone that looks like them being able to articulate what it is and make it look cool, you know? So it's like, you know, you, you have to be there on the ground. You have to have the right ambassadors and champions. And that comes from just like going to the meetings over and over again, earning trust and building trust and building relationships. And then it becomes like, okay, all right, they're trying it over there. Let me, let me go sample this, you know? Yeah. Cool. You know, we're, we're really proud to have you here at Impact Hub DC. Um, I see you almost like every day, and it's really good to hear about the work that you do. Thank you. Um, no, no problem. No, thank you, because the work that you're doing is awesome. And I think one thing that it would be great, good for us to know, um, is what can we do for you to help you scale your impact um, and your reach? Yeah, so um, there's like kind of the immediate thing, which is volunteering. Um, you know, we work on uh, you know the short-term basis on the farmers markets and uh, you know growing food and so you know we love volunteers to help us to administer some of the nutrition incentive programs um, folks to come put in uh, work in the garden space and learn to grow food themselves um, we're also going to have some youth development and mentoring opportunities uh, coming up soon so those are all like very tangible ways that you can get involved 
<clears throat> on a more strategic level, our next step, we're working on a two-acre urban farm and food hub uh, in Ward 7 behind a middle school called Kelly Miller Middle School. And so this is really, you know, our us going to scale our signature piece because it will give us the ability to grow more food intensively all four seasons all year long so when the rainy season comes you know we got hoop houses and greenhouses we still got tomatoes get your tomatoes mm -hmm. get, get those tomatoes district fresh um, um cold storage so we can aggregate uh store and distribute uh produce because we're uh, working to build regional uh, partnerships, urban-rural partnerships with the uh, farmers in the northern neck of Virginia and uh, Westmoreland County. Um, so, you know, they have way more land than we do. Nice. So, <laughs> you know, being able to partner with them to, to get healthy food into the communities that we work with. And commercial kitchen space so we can support entrepreneurs and make uh, value-added products as well. Um, you're, you're not going to grow enough food to feed a whole, you know, ward on two acres, but the distribution um, and the, the value-added processing will help you to generate more revenue and and get produce out to more places. So it's, it's really going to be very important. So getting getting there is going to take some yeah. time and it takes a lot of energy and effort and just getting your hands dirty and understanding like what, what some of the challenges that we, we we're having is just the best way to just step right in. You, you run a farmer's market every Wednesday? We run uh, two. Two, okay. Um, one on every Wednesday mm -hmm. um, on Minnesota Avenue at the Unity Healthcare Clinic from 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, we go through uh, November 16th, I think, something like that, like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, or two Wednesdays before Thanksgiving. Um, then another at the Waterfront Metro in Southwest um, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays, and we go through uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So where can our listeners learn more about your work and how can they get in? Well, you already said how they can get involved, but where can they sign up? Yeah, go to dreamingoutloud.org. Um, sign up for our email list, or if you feel so inclined, you can hit that donate button. Um, we also the, no, the donate button. Yeah, there, there's a donate button. There's very <laughs> clearly marked. <laughs> you can go ahead and click on that. Don't be shy. Or sign up for our email list. <laughs> Don't be shy. Don't be shy. You know, um, we... we, we put out a lot of information about volunteer opportunities, um, community engagement opportunities through that email list. And so that's very important. Um, and also good things that are happening at the farmer's markets. So yeah, dreamingoutloud.org or follow us on social media, everything at DOLDC. Cool. That's so dope, Chris. Thank you so much. And um, whatever information you have about any upcoming projects, please give it to us because we want to highlight you in our newsletters and we'll probably invite you back to this podcast. Love to. Uh, Y'all got to come out to some of the spaces. Man. Yeah, and we can yeah, interview we people that. in, this, yeah. you know, yeah, in yeah. the space. Yeah. yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, we look forward to it, man. Thank you so much for uh, being one of our first interviewees. <laughs> and an Impact Hub member. And yes. an Impact Hub That's member, right. which is even better. <laughs> and thank you for uh, listeners for listening to the um, Everybody Eats podcast because we know that everybody eats but everybody can't eat well and so this these are the issues that we are discussing on this podcast and until next time peace